Hello, this is Chris Jansen with End Evil Podcast. End Evil Podcast is dedicated to truth and freedom, um, reaching out to people who have the imagination to envision a world without evil and who are willing to begin working towards that goal and imagine that it is possible. Today I have with me um, an awesome guest, Andy Brookshire. He's a gentleman I met through um, Mark Passio. We We've been studying together in the True Media course. We're actually both graduates as of last week. So <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Andy. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm doing great. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be here, Chris. Yeah, man, this is, this is good because we've, um, we've got to chat a little bit here and there. But, you know, today we could get a little more in-depth um, and talk about um, what, what we're discussing is the most powerful weapon in the world, which is the weapon of propaganda and media. And we want to try to break that down a little bit for folks. So, you, you know, uh, the folks can understand why the world is in the state it's in and why we're so surrounded by evil. So, um, Andy, you've been doing um, your own work. I know I saw you have um, greenriveralchemy.com, correct? That's right. And the Green, Green River Alchemy, Alchemical Society. So is that something you've been doing for a while or is that pretty new? Uh, yes to both. It's uh, something that I first had the kind of seed for, um, gosh, let's see, five years ago was when I thought the idea first kind of started to solidify um, as, as a way to start to reach out and try and, and network with others who were kind of, you know, realizing or had realized or were in the study of, um, you know, basically just the topic of, hey, there's things going on beyond the veil of what we're presented with as, as happening in the world. Um, and being that once you kind of get past a certain point, once you get so deep in the rabbit hole that uh, it's very difficult to come back, you often turn mm -hmm. around and realize a lot of the people that you used to associate with are not going to be following you on this journey, not going to be coming with you. Uh, so I started ha having the idea of building a community of kind of like-minded people just, you know, for no other reason than to let people know that there's other others out there thinking along these lines. And, um, you know, it might not be just some guy on the other side of the world, but people kind of right uh, around you in your own community. And so at the time I live in, in Washington state, I'm right uh, actually in Seattle uh, right now. Uh, but a couple of five years ago, I lived closer to Mount Rainier, which is right at the headwaters of the green river. Um, and there's a lot of similar, the idea of green, the idea of rivers and how that relates to, um, journeys, how green relates to care and, and um, the unification of consciousness and all those things. Uh, GRAS then became, you know, grass and grass grows and grass is green. And so there was just a lot of things that is, I thought, what should I call this thing that, that really made sense. And um, so I kind of started the society uh, five years ago and kind of sort of, you know, put it out there. I did a couple of Craigslist posts back in, in those days and, and, started to kind of just reach out and built a fairly small community in my, in my area um, of people that I could, Hey, just, you know, talk to and kind of network with a little bit. 
Um, and that kind of was up and down and, and petered out more than anything over the, a couple of years. And so I decided this year uh, when all of the um, events of this year began to really uh, uh, get kicked into high gear that I should take it online and really reach the broadest possible uh, community that I can. And so that's kind of the, the impetus of the society and the idea um, kind of behind making it a, a, a society is that it was kind of a play on kind of a tongue in cheek play on it's a secret society. And that's the first people, maybe I should, first thing that people should know, I should have started out by saying the first thing that you should know about the green river chemical society is we are a secret society and you should tell everybody that <laughs> um, we are totally decentralized and we encourage everybody to uh, begin their own chapter and you can get free real estate and start your own chapter of the Green River Alchemical Society. And the best place to find that real estate is that one square foot between your ears. Mm -hmm. And you can make yourself the head of your own chapter of the society and don't report back to Central. Just go ahead and do whatever it is that, that you want to do to uh, network with other societies, with people outside of um, the society and and the, just people in their own uh, uh flowing down their own uh, river of truth. And, and um, so that's kind of been the, the impetus behind it. And lo and behold, when I started the society, I was living at the headwaters of the Green River. And now I live a mile and a half from where the Green River empties out into the Puget Sound right uh, in the heart of Seattle. So in many ways, the journey has kind of come to a, a, a full circle, huh? full circle. Yeah, we've come up one rung on the spiral and hope to continue to, uh, to keep keep the circle moving in an upward kind of spiral. And that is sort of the um, essence of alchemy too, right? Um, like you said, in between our ears and something I talk about in this podcast constantly is the, our own spiritual journey. And that is being the solution to ending evil. The, the beginning of the solution at least is to start within ourselves. So um, I really encourage um, other folks and listeners to this is to, um, start by looking in yourself and we can go from there. So, um, you know, also part of that looking in ourself is understanding the world around us and understanding why things are the way they are and asking the big questions. You know, I've always been, even before I got into subjects of truth and freedom, like really curious about mysteries, right. And mysteries like Bigfoot or, aliens or ufos or giants you know and eventually i started bumping up against some of the more difficult um, subjects and i think for me um september 11th was like what really cracked that shell open and made me start looking in a different way and that's when i got in that rabbit hole you're describing and um since then you know the rabbit holes just opens up to more and more tunnels and you you go down more and more lanes and it gets to the point where there is no going back at all so I'm curious, what was for you? What what cracked what cracked the nut for you that really really kind of changed your direction? Well, life? September 11th was a big uh, event for me, although I wouldn't realize it until a couple of years later, um, probably about 2006, seven, six or seven, um, when I started hearing more and more people uh, talking about how this was not what it appears to be say inside job you can say this that or the other but it, there's certainly more going on to the story uh was kind of the first first thing that there's enough people saying that that i started to say okay so what else is going on but you know so that was a couple of years uh afterwards when i really started to to kind of go uh, a full bore down the rabbit hole um i was raised 
in the Christian church, Presbyterian denomination, um, and went to a private Christian school through eighth grade, then went to public high school, and then did a couple of years at a Christian university, which said you didn't have to be Christian to go there, which was a strange thing to say, but that's what they said. And that was really when it started to, so September 11th was my end of my junior year of high school. And so then when I got to college in 2003, 2004, or 2002, 2003, and then into 2004, but uh, 02 and 03 especially, um, I was taking these, you know, required classes about uh, the history of the church and theological stuff. And um, the big kind of cracking point for me was when I was taking a class on the history of church, taught in, that's a word now, <laughs> taught by, <laughs> taught by the dean or I guess deacon of students. So he was like the head pastor, spiritual head of the student body on, on the, on the staff, uh, university staff, basically. Um, and he was our, our professor for this class and was telling us about the Council of Nicaea, which for those of you who don't know, was the, the, a body of theologians, theologians and scholars assembled in Nicaea in Greece in 1332, 33, 30, or 13, excuse me, 332, 33, uh, around there um, by, uh, uh, was that Constantine? No, I'm losing my, yes, I think, that was, I yeah, think it was Constantine. Constantine. Yeah, sounds right. Um, not Alexander the Great. He was earlier. Yes, Constantine, yeah, Constantine, who had decided that, you know, before the big battle, uh, he had decided that now we're all going to be Christians. And the whole reason that they won the battle, according to the you know, story as it's told, is that because he decided everybody, he's had a vision the night before and everybody was now a soldier of Christ. And so they went out and won the battle. And now he was going to change the world and, and change Rome, which Rome at the time was centered in modern day Istanbul, which was renamed Constantinople uh, after Constantine, of course. And so the first thing that he needed to do was to get together and formalize a religion for his newly found faith. Um, and he basically, there's a lot of interesting uh, kind of ways to interpret the story, but I think the most prevalent one is basically that he locked a bunch of scholars and theologians in a room and said, either you can come up with the story that we need to be telling based on these old writings, or I will find somebody who can, and you will no longer be around to tell your side of the story. And so they came up with what we know as the, the Bible today. Um, and he, as we're learning all this, and obviously he didn't, you know, there was no under the threat of execution in, in the, in the um, telling at, at university, but uh, realizing that, wait a second. So 300 years after Christ was supposed to live, there were just a bunch of Greek guys who got together and decided what books were going to be in the Bible. And you're telling me there are books that were written by people in the Bible that weren't allowed to be in the final edit of the Bible. Like what's that about? And started asking some of these questions. And the professor basically was just like, we're not discussing that, which to me was odd because I'm paying all this money, you know, it was 25 grand a year or something for this private college at the time. And it's like, I'm paying all this money for you to teach me. And I'm not allowed to explore these issues that are a part of our curriculum. I'm supposed to accept exactly what you're telling me and write a paper, exactly regurgitating it. And just think that that's enough. You know, I'm paying for this. I should be allowed to um, explore and learn in a, a way that makes sense to me. So that was a big eye-opening thing for me. And from there started to look into uh, some of the very much occulted, uh, secreted history of 
the Christian church and uh, moved back to Denver, Colorado, where I was from originally for a little while and then moved back permanently to Seattle in 2005. Yeah. Um, and met some people up here, including one very good friend of mine named Dave, who uh, was very much, um, very much into 9-11 truth and, and very, very, uh, he was, I don't know, eight or so years older than me and very much farther along his journey of discovery and started talking to him about the kind of secrets of the church. And he basically said, here, you should look at this. And it was uh, one of the early Michael Tessarion origins and oracles series. I can never remember exactly which DVD he said, here, I have this, you should just go watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was sidereal mythology, uh, astrotheology and sidereal mythology, although that might've been later, but anyway. I love that series. Yeah. That origins and oracles series, I, you know, was living with a couple of guys living in a house in Seattle. And basically we all had the day off and it was like, get up, get our coffee, kind of sit down. I was like, guys, I'm going to, I want to watch this thing and you guys are welcome to too. And we all actually work together and we work with Dave. And so they were like, yeah, sure. Put it on. And it was like seven or eight hours later, however long that presentation was <laughs> that we're all just sitting there just like, Whoa, <laughs> you're getting this right. This isn't just me. Okay. And so, yeah. you know, we watched it. I think we watched it twice over the course of a week and then basically went back to Dave said, here, give us the rest of them and watched uh, uh, Alien Visitation and Subversive Use of Sacred Symbols and all the origins and oracles. I mean, it was like in a month, I just downloaded all of that stuff. And from there, it was like, okay, there's really no going back. That was definitely my red pill month yeah. or, or whatever. And so that was about 2007 or 2008. I can never quite keep track starting to look a little bit into 9-11 and then the bank crash happened and I'd always been interested in kind of financial and, and history generally, um, but financial history too. And it was right literally like six months before the crash happened that Dave, again, my friend said, you should read this book. You know, I hear what you're into. You should read this book, Enhance Me, The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. And it was like, oh, this is way deeper than, you know, 2000 years ago. This is, you know, hap still happening. And it's been, and so that was really the, the beginning and it's all downhill slide from there or yeah or up the spiral or yeah whatever from there so there's a lot of stuff you brought up that you know hits home with me because i um i grew up in the christian church as well and my dad was a preacher and he you know our house was full of bibles and concordances and he loved talking about that type of stuff and so I was well steeped in, you know, Christianity and um, not just Christianity because he was into um, anything metaphysical. And um, so I was like, you know, when I was 13, I had a cross around my neck, you know, and I took my <laughs> Christianity pretty seriously, although I probably wouldn't fit in with just any Christian even at that time. But um, it was pretty rough for me when I got to be like 18 or 19 and just totally had to break away from that whole what I now call the storytelling, you know, I've been talking about